It's frightening shopping for grocery these days, isn't it? And now we're we're being told to hang on. It's going to get worse. And then now I can't get it out of my head. Is this real or is it manufactured? One has to wonder that. that there has been a lot of questions about what's happening in our grocery train chains. When Loblaw said the no-frills were going to stay at the same price, they got a lot of positive press. And then they got a lot of other people who said, well, thank you. Isn't that kind, considering what's happening, that many people wonder, is there justification for the prices that they're paying? And it is not a bad thing to ask those questions. Now we have Canada's competition watchdog uh, saying they're going to get into it and study the grocery sector and find out as much as they can if the price, an inflated price that shoppers are paying for, is it justified? Dr. Jennifer Quaid, a professor specializing in competition law at the University of Ottawa, joining us tonight. Dr. Quaid, good evening. Good evening, Arlene. And here we are investigating the grocery stores. Used to be just articles, and now, I mean, we're doing deep dives on whether or not these prices are justified. Sign of the times, they're going up. We've heard all the bad news, Dr. Quaid, and then we, we, we're we ready for it, aren't we? I mean, it could be a marketing ploy. Is this important that this happens? Well, I, I think that um, the Bureau is very aware of uh, the concerns of Canadians, the fact that we are living in stressful economic times, and that uh, grocery prices and, and prices for, for essentials like food are things we notice and we notice right away because we go and we buy them so frequently. And also we have a, a pretty good understanding of what the price prices used to be and what the trends are. I don't know really whether this particular announcement of a, of a market study in the grocery sector was already percolating for some time or whether it's a more recent thing this not it's hard to know exactly what's motivating it but i think that it's probably partly designed to send the signal that the bureau hears the concerns of canadians and wants to send this message that they that they take it seriously and they want to understand more clearly what's going on this isn't the first time the grocery sector has been looked at or has been doing things that has raised questions, although, you know, that hasn't always resulted in a, in a, in a satisfactory outcome from the public perspective. No, and to do it, we have to follow their business model. And we're hearing things like, you know, very thin margins. We know that, that, that that's what happens. But there's so much trust here we put in a grocery store, especially the big ones. And they, they ask for people's trust. They want you to go back again and again. And so when you go and pick something up, there's trust involved that that price is for real. Oh, absolutely. And I do think that that is something that... Uh, this recent announcement by the, the Loblaws family of companies about their, you know, holding prices on their no-name mm-hmm. brand. And one of the things that's actually pretty challenging um, for the ordinary consumer is that even if you do, you go very regularly uh, to the grocery store and you're loyal to your brands or you keep track, uh, you know, the, the larger trends in what's happening in the supply chain, what is typical for certain periods of the year may not be things we know. So we don't always have an independent ability to 
really know whether what's being said to us is is actually a reflection of of the way the business is run or if it provides a kind of plausible cover for other things going on and because of the lack of trust that i think you you've highlighted quite well there there is this sense that well okay this explanation you know, could make mm-hmm. sense, but how do we know that is in fact the explanation for what's going on? And you know, establishing what an ordinary price practice is or what a what an ordinary pricing strategy is is actually pretty difficult to do in the abstract. So, one of the reasons why something like a market study would be helpful, if indeed it can be done with enough information, is to get a baseline, to get a sense of well, how does it mm-hmm. normally work, and what are the what are the times of year when maybe prices have to go, you know, just naturally go up or go down as a function of different stresses in the market. What do situations like the one we're in right now, where we have serious supply chain issues across you know, multiple different inputs, what does that do to, to, uh, to an industry that is known for its thin margins? These are questions that we would like to have answers to, and we can't just sort of speculate about. So I can I can really empathize with the with everyone who's going to the grocery store and trying to understand and trying to say, mm-hmm. can we believe this explanation or not? Because we don't have the information to really uh, make that assessment. No, we don't, and it, it's really revealing just even in, to come to that understanding and go, hey, wait a minute, you know, you think you're pretty savvy when you shop. Are you really savvy? And we may find out things we didn't know because they're allowed to market, they're allowed to have have ways to do things. I'm, I want to ask you this. Do Does the Competition Bureau, do they have any power? Can they get the real information from them? Well, okay, so this is, uh, this is something that... Uh, is unfortunate in in Canada's competition framework. Unlike some of our international partners, notably the United States and Australia, we do not have an agency that that has the power to demand information from market participants when it's doing a market study. It can and it does use its power to demand information when it's doing an investigation, when it's actually looking into alleged conduct that someone has complained about or that has come to their attention. But if they just want to understand the market, understand the dynamics of a sector of the economy or how things are emerging, think of the the different ways that data-driven markets and di- the digital economy have evolved. If they want to just do that, they don't have the power to demand information. And the difficulty with that is if you do a market study with incomplete information, you know your your final conclusions will only be as strong as the information you had. What happens if you only have responses from the small players in the market, but not from the big players? What happens if you only have responses from certain regions in the country and not others? You know, and I'm just giving the low-hanging fruit examples, but I, I think that that is one of the problems. They they can't compel the information, and if if there are players in the market that don't want to play ball, then they're going to be stuck with the information that they can obtain voluntarily or through public sources. Yeah, and that may not be the the real deal. Uh, the focus too is on uh, the big places. What about the smaller ones? Is this an opportunity because they have to compete? So it only stands to sense, doesn't it, that if they're not the bigger place, they have to do things a little differently and get their places from different supply chains. Yeah, I mean, I think that something that the market study could shed more light on is an understanding of 
the dynamics between big players and small players. And the, the question of access to supply chains and the conditions under which smaller players can access those supply chains that are sometimes controlled by the bigger players who are both in the upstream and downstream market, right? They're both suppliers and sort of end sellers of things. That um, we may be able to understand that better. And if nothing else, the market study is an opportunity for those who are in that sector, where whatever part of the sector they're in, to express their views and to convey their concerns. And that may be helpful for the Bureau in terms of how they look at the sector going forward, how they, where they, where they decide to keep an eye on things. What are the kinds of situations that that might raise questions that if you didn't know kind of what you learned in the market study, you wouldn't know to look for those things. So I think that, you know, it's, it is a good idea to try and figure out what's going on and to listen to the players and to listen to what's happening. I just worry that if, especially if the largest players don't want to share their information, it will be harder to get a complete picture of what's going on and harder to understand where could we look to make improvements or do we need some regulation? Do we need some rules? And and how can we design those rules to provide the kinds of outcomes we want, whether it's to make sure that, you know, customers aren't gouged on on prices or that they're able to understand how prices are put together or whether it's that small small suppliers and small players can still have a part of the market that they can compete on equivalent mm-hmm. terms these are you know these are outcomes we would like but we have to have the information to know that we're doing things that would be helpful as opposed to things that might make the situation worse Dr. Jennifer Quaid, a professor specializing in competition law at the University of Ottawa. Thank you. Illuminating. Thanks a lot. Thank you. All right. Have a, have a nice night. Boy, That I'm going to keep that in my mind, especially as we wait it. We think, oh, okay, somebody's going to fix it. And then we find out, you know, they're not even compelled to get all the information. I'm Arlene Vaughn, and this is On Point.